0: Hi, guys. Welcome to Farmer Fridays, where I get to talk to agriculturists, ag organizations, and ag businesses across the state of West Virginia. My name is Elizabeth Lynch, your Miss Jefferson County 2022. I am so excited to talk to my guest today. I have Miss Jennifer King from Eversweet Apiaries. How are you this morning, Jennifer? I'm doing good. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you so much for agreeing to be on my Farmer at Friday interviews. So go ahead and tell me about yourself and a little bit about your agricultural background.
1: Uh well yeah my name is Jennifer King and I'm the owner of Eversweet Apiaries um, and that is a um, bee equipment I've been doing this since 2013 and um, I guess the question number 2 is the the history now I'll, I'll jump right into that if you don't mind because well, um, wow. that kind of goes along with number 1 there um yeah, this was my father's business. He actually started this in 2002, so we're celebrating our 20th year now. And I say we, you know, but it's just me, and um, it's just a habit of, you know, some, when he was alive. And so, yeah, we're still celebrating our 20th year of providing, wow, yeah, providing bee uh, education equipment, and equipment and honey.
0: Amazing. Uh, so, tell me some about the the products that you offer. At Eversuite?
1: Well, you know, it is a business, but I like to look at it more as an educational center. Um, So, yeah, I'm not really a business. I'm just more of a center there. Um, But we do offer honey, um, all sorts of uh, local and non-local honey. Um, And our honey lobby is open 24-7 with honor system for paying, by cash or check so people can come in at 10 o'clock at night, and sometimes they do <laughs> to buy honey. And you can see the picture or some of it out there. Um, and then we offer the equipment, you know, for beekeepers um, to get started in bees or to continue, you know, beekeeping. And um, we offer bees, you know, for people to get started. And queens, if they need a queen, if something happened to their queen, or they, you know, they're splitting their hive or something like that.
0: Amazing! And when I first read about your business, I was just completely over the moon excited about your dedication to beekeeping education. So, can you tell me about how you educate your community about beekeeping?
1: Um, I spend a lot of time educating, countless <laughs> hours, um, and that's cool because you know I'm 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 a bee advocate first and foremost. And so we, I (laughs) do a lot of walk in, um, you know, uh, education, people, you know, beekeepers coming in, um, having questions, what's going on with their hives. Um, I'm also a a virtual mentor for uh, people across the US. Um, They'll send pictures, you know, emails, like what's going on in your hive the, the bee is the bee, you know, the biology is the same, no matter where the honeybee is, it's just the weather and the Mm -hmm. foraging conditions are going to dictate, you know, behavior. Right. So so I can offer, you know, this help to, you know, non-local beekeepers as well. And so people email, Facebook, um, phone sometimes. Um, So yeah, it's, it's fun.
0: Amazing. That's so cool. And you have that large outreach already. So that's Mm -hmm. really exciting to hear. What do you think is the most challenging thing about working in your field? There's a lot of challenges.
1: Um, I'd say probably one of the biggest challenges is the probably re-education of honey. (laughs) Um, A lot of people think that you have to consume local honey in order to help with allergies. And that's a mess. The national Institute for allergies hasn't supported that claim. And I get a lot of people that come in and they swear by my honey that they've, you know, had stopped taking their inhalers and all of that. And first I say, well, I'm not a doctor, so I don't recommend doing that. Um, but if it works for you, then great because it's a natural sugar substitute and it's good for you. Um, but a lot of people turn their nose up. But honey, that's not local, and um, and that's kind of sad. Um, Because there's so many different honeys in the world. There's 300 different honeys in the U.S. alone. Yeah. yeah. And so what I like to do is bring in honey from different areas just to try to broaden people's minds and palates to these different honeys. And the way that we collect honey as beekeepers and pollen is different. So not a lot of pollen even gets into our, our honey. And so when we collect pollen, um, it gets knocked off of their legs, like at the front door. And so, you know, that's a separate product. Um, And most of the things that the bees forage on is not what people are allergic to. Um, People are allergic to grasses and haze and things like that and some tree pollen. Um, But again, not a lot of pollen even gets into the honey. So basically bottom line, if it's raw and pure, it's good honey. If it hasn't been heated, you know, uh, beyond like 130 degrees, then it still has its nutrients and enzymes. And that could be what's helping people's immune systems and possibly allergies and um yeah the the most medicinal honey in the world right now um and the big trend is the manuka honey and that's not local that comes from new zealand and there's a black market for that stuff so (laughs) yeah so it it's it's frustrating to me that people you know don't want to try these different honeys and kind of poo-poo on you know like california honey you know, and Californian beekeepers work just as hard as, you know, us West Virginian beekeepers, and their honey is as good as well. And honey is a lot like wine, you know, it has a lot of undertones, tonal qualities to it, floral. And we don't turn our noses up at California wine. So why would we do that to honey? <laughs> So long story there, but yeah, it's kind of challenging. Too. No, that's,
0: that's so cool. Cause I didn't know anything about that. So that's amazing. And I'm sure my viewers are going to get a lot of information from this as well. So that's good. phenomenal. Good, now good. on the flip side of everything, what do you think is the best thing about your job?
1: Being able to work with bees, <laughs> um, it, it's, it's rewarding. It's fascinating. Um, these creatures are just amazing. Um, And the things that they know how to do just within their short amount of lifetime, you know, they're only alive six weeks in the spring and summer. um, And they literally work themselves to death and, but they know how to do math, you know, and they can do facial recognition and and they remember smells, you know, it's just, it's, it's amazing.
0: (laughs) Wow. That is really neat. Now my whole life I've heard about uh, the beekeeping population and it's on the decline so mm-hmm. can you tell me a little bit about that and then why should people be concerned
1: um it, it has been on decline it's it's kind of a perfect storm of, of problems that's happened to the honeybee um they've been introduced uh or n- non-native uh bugs have been introduced to the u.s um varroa mite is the top um public enemy of the varroa or the uh, honeybee. And they're a parasitic mite that um, sucks their fat stores, um, but also spreads diseases. So there's like 30 different uh, viruses um, associated with the varroa mite, and it makes it very hard for the bees to overwinter. And in places where they don't experience winter, they're still having you know difficulties with their bees' uh, colony staying alive. So that is one of the, there's three, there's three problems uh, facing honeybees. So that's one. Um, the second one is the um, lack of foraging in um, monocultures because we keep ripping away food sources for them and developing. And so like, we don't grow food anymore. We grow townhomes and strip malls and, and we don't put smart plants back in the place of uh, plants that we rip out either. A lot of times they'll put ornamental hybrid uh, plants back and those don't offer nectar um, for the the bees and pollinators. So, and then of course the monocultures, that's just food deserts of corn and soy. Um, So they need, they're, they're like humans, they need a varied diet of nutrition and minerals and vitamins, and so just having one food source is, is not healthy for them. Then the third prong to the bees is the, um, poor education and bee management. And so, you know, the, the media has been a double-edged sword um, for about 30 years now. That's when the mites hit the scene in the late 80s. and. Um, I think they're finally getting it right, the media, as far as, you know, what's happening to the bees. Because for the longest time, they just focused on pesticides. And pesticides is still a problem and an issue. However, it wasn't the biggest issue. And um, a lot of people want to help honeybees. And they um, think the best way they can do that is maybe become a beekeeper. And it's just not for everybody. Um, you have to have time and commitment to um, these critters, just like any other animal husbandry field. And it's not like you know your grandfather's way of beekeeping where you just set them out in the field, collect honey from them and then see a next winter bees. Um, it takes management now. And um, I think that's a challenge for a lot of people with their schedules and whatnot and you have to be on the B schedule. You can't be on your schedule. And, um, and I don't always practice what I preach, you know, life gets in the way and, but there's consequences for that. And at least I know, you know, like where things went wrong and everything. Um, So that's why we really, really focus on the education and um and how important it is you know because like you wouldn't want to get a horse and didn't and not know how to take care of it right oh can I keep it in the living room no (laughs) yeah so um yeah
0: so what can people do at home to kind of help with the bee population is there certain things that we should plant or be concerned with
1: Yes, first and foremost, foremost, that's the best thing that anybody can do for bees is to plant uh, bee-friendly plants. And there's lots of lists on the internet um, for bee-friendly plants. Particularly, you wanna look for ones that grow or bloom offer nectar in the late summer, early fall, because that's when the bees desperately need it. In the spring, everything is unicorns and rainbows. You know, everything's blooming and growing. But then as the season goes on, these flowers um, just kind of dwindle. It's like the neck here in the mid Atlantic around uh, July 15th is like somebody just turned the nectar spigot off. And then we as beekeepers have to start feeding our bees um, sugar water because they need carb to, you know, carbohydrates to survive and also to encourage them to keep raising babies. And that's what we want as well, because we need them to um, really populate up for the winter. And and so they'll have better chances to survive the winter. Um, But that really sucks as a beekeeper, you know, to uh, not only one have to get that sugar, but more importantly, it's a poor substitute for nectar for the bees. And so, if we had these sources available, it would definitely be better uh, for the bees.
0: Okay, that's but good. Yeah, to there's,
1: know. yeah, there's lots of there's lots of lists on the internet um, for bee friendly plants, and then you might have to like look at these lists and like can they grow here in this area? Check your grow zone. Um, buckwheat is a really good uh, plant, and it grows quickly although the, the deer really love it. So sometimes they'll gobble that up before the bees get a chance to, to get it. Okay,
0: um, so it's kind of switching gears a little bit. COVID-19, of course, as we know, has affected the agricultural industry in so many ways. How has it affected your business?
1: Um, I think the biggest thing, what has happened, and, and, and this just isn't to me, but all businesses, is that all of the education and campaigns that we had for shop local have kind of regressed and, and backslided. Um, Cause I've noticed so many people go straight to the internet for their equipment or whatever, you know, they're buying. And it's almost like they've forgotten about us <laughs> and, and the value that we add to the, um, The industry, the community, all of that, Um, because, you know, when you come here and you need equipment, I'm going to be able to tell you what this equipment, how to use it, um, how the bees are going to respond to it, you know, the the best way to go about it. And you're not going to get that when you just go to Amazon and and buy whatever. Um, So I think that, you know, we... And I get it, you know, because COVID, you know, um, it became a necessity to, you know, not, you know, be around people and, and, and get things online and things like that. Um, but I, I hope that we can, you know, get back to, you know, shopping, really shopping local.
0: <laughs> so what can our community do to help you and businesses like yours um, after the COVID-19 pandemic? And is that just continual to shop local and you know work with businesses like yours?
1: Well, absolutely, yes. But then back to um, the bees and planting, that's probably the biggest thing, you know, um, and like, this isn't about me, you know, this is about the bees and so, that's what I want to see is more food sources for the bees.
0: Okay. Now, what is one thing that you want your community or your state to know about the West Virginia beekeeping industry?
1: Gosh, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I think there's a lot that can be done for the bees and throughout the state. Um, and I, and I've, I've heard rumors about, you know, um, Mining top reclamation and and plans for that, and I don't know where that stands. Um, but like, if we can grow these food sources on top of these cleared mountaintops, um, and that would that would be awesome. Um, so, just I guess more more support, you know, for for the bees um, themselves, and, and get back to planting food. <laughs>
0: Now, what advice would you wanna give to somebody who wants to start working with bees?
1: Before you get any equipment, do anything, take a year at least to uh, read as much as you can, get as much education as you can because beekeeping can turn into a money pet very quickly if you don't understand what's happening and it's not a cheap hobby. Um, now you can save money if you have your, you know, a wood shop, carpentry skills, things like that. Can go out and catch swarms bees, um, but if you if you can't do all of that, you know, for a setup of like two hives, and your all your accessories and equipment can run anywhere from you know six to uh, six hundred to a thousand dollars. And then, you know, once you get them, you know, if you're successful the first year, which most people are, it's usually the second year when they start running into issues. Um, But if you can't get them through winter, you know, um, then that's a great loss. And people um, tend to be on this treadmill of, I'll just get more bees, but they don't really dig into what happened to the bees. And so that education, it's like building a house. And if you have a good foundation, then you can build upon that. And if you don't, it's like building a house on sand, you know, and and YouTube is, I'm sorry, it's not a great educator. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of good stuff out there, but there's a lot of bad stuff too. And a lot of people, you know everybody with a phone is an expert. and I, for a beginner, it's very easy to get led astray and go down a wrong road and and not be able to suss out you know this is garbage, you know and next video. Um, so I tried to tell beginners to stay away from YouTube, the internet, and forums oh, forums too. They're kind of bad. Um, but stick to like university sites, which there's several Penn State, uh, North Carolina State, um, Washington State. And then there's two great uh, Be Informed Partnership and the Honey Bee Health Coalition. And, and those are great science based uh, places. And so, you know, build your foundation with science and then you can learn you know, through the experience of having bees, all their weird behaviors and oddities. We'll, we'll never learn everything about bees. I mean, we've only been trying to domesticate them since the Pharaoh days. And, you know, just because we stick them in a box doesn't mean they're domesticated. <laughs> they, they do lots of weird stuff sometimes. Um, they're bugs, so, um, but yeah. <laughs>
0: And this is something that I preach all the time, is if you're going to go into any sort of agricultural field, educate yourself first and use peer-reviewed journals. Look at scientific articles. And that's something that I talk about all the time. So thank you very much for reiterating that.
1: Yes, yes. It's It's a big, big thing. And, you know, like my dad, he was very adamant and he wouldn't even sell bees to people if they didn't take a course, like through a local beekeeping club. And in the beginning, I thought that was kind of harsh. You know, I was like, dad, you know, there is the internet. There are books. They can self-teach, you know, self-teach, you know. but now I get it. They, they um, I think a lot of people, I don't understand why they don't take the time. And the, the beekeeping world uh, is it's very eclectic and weird as well. Um, there's no standard curriculum for bee education either. Um, so it's kind of like the wild, wild west and different clubs have different styles of teaching and different ways. And I mean, they're all volunteers, and tears I'm not bashing clubs at all, but some, some clubs are better than others. And so I usually tell people, you know, a lot of people think just because they took like one beginner's course, that's it. That's all they need. And I'm like, no, you know, go take another one and preferably from a different club, then you have something to compare it to. Right. And, you know, it is a little bit time consuming um, to do, but it's definitely worth it. And I, and I definitely for the folks who've been at it two or three years and are still struggling, I tell them, you got to go back to square one, you're missing some puzzle pieces somewhere. And, and then I'll, because it is a lot of information that gets thrown at people too, and it's hard especially when they don't have the bees yet to 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 understand what's what's happening and, and and then you get the bees and it's like oh okay they I remember something that they were saying about this um but but yeah it's it's like a continual education field as well you know with refreshers and there's always emerging science that's coming out you know that that is probably the only thing good that has happened because of the varroa mite is that we, we took honeybees for granted for a very long time. And now we've mapped their genome. We would have never done that, I think, if it wasn't because the mites. And so this, you know, serious issue, like, okay, we got to really focus on this. And so there's so much science coming out now um, and it's great. Um, But yeah, education, I can't stress it enough.
0: All right, so historically, agriculture has been a very male-dominated industry. So talk to me about your experience as a woman in agriculture, and what advice would you give to any future female agriculturist?
1: Beekeeping, again, is weird. um, It's got many facets to it, too. And so um, I'm on a different side of it, where um, there's, there's three categories of beekeeping. There's commercial sidelining, and hobbyist. So a hobbyist has like two, you know, or 10 um, hives, um, but they haven't quit their day job. You know, they're they're just doing it for fun. Sideliners, they can have anywhere from 50 to a hundred. And they use some of the, you know, hives for profit. So I'm considered a sideliner. I got about 50 hives. Um, And then commercial beekeepers or folks that are all in, you know, they have like five hundred to thousand or more hives, and you know they quit their day job. That's all that they do. And so, in the, um, of course, I'm a retailer too of the equipment. So, in the commercial uh, side of it, it is very male dominated. In the the seller side of the equipment, it's very male dominated. But then when you jump over into the hobbyist and sideliner areas, it's very diverse. Um, lots of female beekeepers. Um, so I, 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 see all sides of it and um, I haven't really experienced a lot of problems, um, mm-hmm. but I've have sensed some things sometimes. I was like, what was that? What was that statement about? <laughs> you know, like that, but I just brush it off, and if you're confident in your skills and knowledge, um, then that that goes a long way. You know? And and you can stand your ground and go toe to toe with anybody. Um, but so yeah, just just know your stuff, basically.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right. So my final question for you, taking from my favorite speech by E. M. Tiffany. Why do you believe in the future of agriculture?
1: Oh, wow. I think that we have lost our way. Um, We lost touch, you know, lost our roots. Um, When we have a large population of people that don't understand our food system, don't understand how pollination works, Um, I get a lot of people that come in and, um, and I swear, I remember learning this in school, you know, like it's been a while elementary school, you know, but it's like, we learned about this, you know, and they don't understand how it works. And it's a little bit frightening, um, that we've, we've lost our way and we don't understand, you know, where our food comes from. And, and there's a lot of reasons for that you know government big ag, this and that and the other um but we've learned you know we we've had things shown to us recently uh, how delicate our system is and you know there's been many people warning us for a while of, about these issues and so i'm all for you know homesteaders um, people having their little gardens um, and just really getting back to our basics and roots because, you know, that, the, those folks are our backbone. Yes, so, and we, we cannot forget them. We have to support them. And so um, anytime that we can do that, you know, we, we should. And so,
0: yeah. Well, excellent. Those are actually all of the questions that I have for you today. I can guarantee you that the people who are watching this video are going to get a ton of information from it. So thank you again for agreeing to do this with me today.
1: Thank you. thank. You. And so there's a lot of information on our website as well. Um, beekeeping tips, we even have online classes to take, too, for beginner beekeeper advanced and all sorts of stuff. So mm-hmm. anybody that's interested in that, they can do it from the comfort of their own home.
0: All right, guys, you heard it here. Go check out their website. I'll include it in my Facebook post for you to just click the link and check everything out. So thank you guys so much for watching. And thank you again for agreeing to interview with me today. That's all that I have for you today for my Farmer Friday interviews. Remember, guys, please go thank your farmers. Thank you. Bye.